Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As we gather today, this being the final day of 2023, the one thing that I'm reminded is that tomorrow is not promised. Let that sink in. You see, many people out there today are going to whatever the day holds for them, whether they go out and they celebrate the new year or whatever it might be. But what I realized in 2023 is that tomorrow is not promised. We don't know. And yet, you're here today and we have the, well, we have high hopes for the new year. Many of us are saying, man, I can't wait to get rid of 2023. It hasn't been a good year. It hasn't been what I expected or whatever else it might be. And so we have high hopes for 2024. We're excited about the new opportunities. We're excited, if you will, and I pray this is is your growth in God in 2024. That every one of us would say, I want to draw closer to him. I want to draw closer to him. So as I was thinking about y'all and thinking about 2024, you know, I was, I was contemplating, I was praying, I was thinking, okay, so what does this look like in a, in a practical way? What does this look like for us? You see, it's one thing for me to get up behind the pulpit and say, come on, guys, let's go, march on. But it's a whole other thing to go, okay, so how do we do this? How do we do this individually? How do we do this collectively? How do we do this corporately? And I was thinking about our church for just a moment, and I pray you labor with me for just a second. I was wondering if you and I as a church, you and I individually would be willing to lay down our lives for God. I was wondering. I was wondering if you and I individually, corporately, and as a family, would be so willing to follow Jesus, even if it means, well, if you're taking note, number one, that you might not make a lot of money. I'm so willing to follow the Lord that it, I, I'm not going to make a whole lot of money. I'm going to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're so willing and so in tune and so excited to follow Jesus in 2024 that you might lose some of your very best friends. They start to look and say, no, I'm not that radical. No, thank you. And you're saying, but I've I've got to follow. Maybe you and I, if we'll think about it, if we'll pray about it, if we'll walk in it, guys, that you might, well, you're so willing to follow Jesus that you might not get promoted at work. As a matter of fact, you're so on fire for God that even in Lubbock, Texas, you would even get fired because of your faith in Christ. Now, all of those things to you are like, whoa, 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 Pastor, I didn't come, I didn't come here to hear, hear one of these like doomsday messages come on no 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 but i i want you to dig a little bit deeper why because i am wondering if you and i if we have what it takes in this season to follow jesus even if it means losing our lives here on earth every one of us in this room woke up 2023 we said okay last day let's go new year's eve let's follow But what if 2024 held for you and I that very thing? Where you have people coming in and saying, if you're a Christian, your life is on the line. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, there's going to be persecution and possibly even death. How many of us would really take that seriously and go, okay, I'm in. Let's go, Lord, I'm in. I'm in. Or are we constantly following what the world tells us and what culture tells us and how we were brought up? It's like, no, 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 no. I want to see a little bit deeper. Here's why. See, following Jesus reminds us 
that it's not about this life, that it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Throughout the years, think about Christianity, Christianity, Christianity. And we have people coming into Christianity, and this is what we do. We go to church, and we, hallelujah, praise the Lord, open the Bible, get a great sermon, and we go on home, and we go about our way. But what if we are facing a year where our foundation has to be solid? Because the winds of persecution might come. See, I'm reminded of people in the Bible that face the same thing that maybe you and I might be facing. You go, who was that? Well, think about Joseph. Think about Nicodemus. You see, they became disciples of God and they lost everything. They were kicked out of the church. They were kicked out of the synagogue. They lost their monies, all their, all their contacts, all the banks, everything else. On these two guys, they lost everything, but they gained Christ. My question to you, church, with as much love as I have for you, what value do we have on the Lord Jesus? Is he everything to us? And I want you to think about this, guys. Is he our all in all? Is he our all in all? In other words, we don't function without the Lord Jesus. We don't move without his grace. Is he our all in all? So what I want to do this morning, church, if you'll let me, is I want to interrupt the Apostle Paul's testimony here in the book of Philippians and hone into something specific that I think should be able to help us as we move forward through this brand new year. Now, here's my heart for moving forward. Most people will make resolutions. I was even thinking about some certain resolutions that I wanted to accomplish this year. But then I thought about that when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to being fully devoted followers of Jesus, I don't want to make a resolution. I don't want to do a resolution. You know what I want to do? I want to live by the Holy Spirit of God that will help me spread the gospel of Jesus throughout our city, throughout our state, and even our country. And even our country. You remember what Jesus told us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He writes and he says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do you see that on the screen there? Listen to me, church. That means Lubbock, that means Texas, that means the United States, and that means the world. Can I get a good amen? But let's go a little bit deeper. See, the Lord Jesus wants us to be witnesses. Oh, okay, well, hold off on Lubbock. How about we be great witnesses in our homes? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, let's take a look at our homes. Let's be careful what we allow in our homes, what we watch in our homes. Let's be careful what we listen to, all of these things in 2024. You see, I want the Holy Spirit to come upon me so I'm a great witness to my wife to my children, to my grandchildren. I'm not a, I don't want to play games anymore and, and have the hypocrisy of, oh, okay, well, that's, I, I, I think this is a great place to start in our homes. If you agree, say amen. But take a look at your home. Take a look at your home. Be careful you and I are not compromising the gospel of Jesus by how we live in our home. You go, well, my home is great, Ben. Okay. Well, our Samaria will be, or our Judea would be our neighborhood. Our neighborhood. You see, God put you in a specific neighborhood because that's who he wants you to reach. That's who he wants you to reach. How many of you believe in circumstance and happenstance or a direct will of God? You go, Ben, the direct will of God. I believe everyone I talk to, speak to, interact with, in some way, God intervening in our lives. I don't think it's happenstance. I don't think you bump into people and be like, oh. So God, in his wonderful mercy, has placed you in your house, in your neighborhood for a specific purpose. And if we embrace that, whoa, well, there's, I'm going to be a good witness. I'm going to be a good witness. 
Well, what about what about our Samaria? Well, how about how about in our homes? How about in our neighborhoods? Or how about in our church? How about in our church right here at Calvary? How can I be a good witness? When you and I love the Lord so much that we are willing to say, God, whatever you want to do, I'll do. I'll serve. Where do you need me? Where do you need me? You need me, you need me to sweep the floor, Lord? I'll do that. You need me to vacuum the sand? Whatever you need, Lord. You need to be silly with the kids? I'll do that. Guys, we have to have the right attitude and heart as we witness. Why? Because not only is the world watching you, but other believers are watching you. And they want to see. Yeah. We want to be. You go, okay, well, what about the end of the earth? Well, what about our city? What about our city? To take what we learn here. To take what you learn here, guys, and apply it out there. That would be a great witness for the Lord. To take what you learn here. You go, what does that mean? You see, it means something so much more than just, hey, I heard a sermon at Calvary, amen. But it's like, man, here's what I've learned today. And then you go out and you share it with other people. Other people. And my question that I wrote down in my notes is, what does that look like for you? What does that look like for you in our city? May I encourage you and exhort you and I that there should be no disconnect from what we do and who we are. This is one unto the Lord. So in our jobs, we are radical, born-again, spirit-filled believers of God. That's who we should be. We shouldn't be, no, 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 this is how I am at my job. I'm just going to be, you know, okay, and, and this is how I am at home, okay, but when I get to the church, God bless you. How are you? We should be one. We should be that, Lord, Lord, you need to fill me. We need to fill me. So my question to you is, how do we do this? What are, what are some practical things? Well, let me just dive right in very, very, very importantly, because look at Acts 1.8 again, guys. It says, but you shall receive power, dunamis. That's where we get the word dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So my question is this, first and foremost, you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So I've got to ask you guys, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? No, 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 Pastor Ben, no, 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 no. I'm not going to one of those churches where people, no, no, I'm not talking about running around silly and, and swinging. And uh, That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking being fully baptized. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and he gives us, and, 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 and here's how it works. See, before you were saved, the Holy Spirit was coming alongside you. He's walking alongside you. He's knocking on your, hey, hey. And then when you accepted him, he, he came to live inside you. So now he's inside you. But I need power to be a witness. I need power to help me. I need power to, to avoid and run from temptation. I need power. So the question is, is have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, here's the problem. The problem is, is that we've taken something so sacred and amazing and we've, we've just exploited it around. And so everybody's afraid of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, speaking in tongues. I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to talk gibberish. No, no, no. I'm talking about being a witness. I'm talking about witness. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the world. So my question, you've got to ask yourself this. Have you been baptized? Well, Pastor Ben, back in 1979, I was baptized. Okay, but how have you been baptized lately? Here's why. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is often like putting gas in your car. I'm not trying to be sacrilege and comparing the Holy Spirit to gasoline, but here's what you need. You need gasoline to run the car. And I don't know if you know this. Maybe you don't. There's a thing in your dashboard that says E. Anybody know what that means? You need more gas, okay? And my wife is laughing because, anyway, E means enough. I got enough. Yeah, there we go. 
My thing said I had five more miles before I... (laughs) But we need to put gas in our cars constantly, and we need to be filled with the Spirit constantly. Every day. Every day. Listen, church, if you're a follower of Jesus, the enemy is attacking you every day, and you need to be filled so that you can withstand those attacks and continue to move forward. Has the Holy Spirit of God come upon us and filled us and saturate our lives? Why did I use that word saturate? Because the picture I had is that of a sponge. I don't want to be a dry sponge. You know what a dry sponge is? You squeeze a dry sponge and nothing happens. It's just But when you saturate it in water and soap, right, and you get in there and it gets all in there and you pull it out and you squeeze that sponge, what comes out? Whatever that was saturated with. And that would be God. That would be the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I'm not prophesying. I'm not prophetic. I'm not telling you. But I want to say this. Many of us might be squeezed in 2024. How about that just when we're squeezed by the world, that the Holy Spirit comes out and that the words of God come out. Squeezed. Squeezed. Listen, with the power of the Holy Spirit, He will help us to do more than we've ever done before. With the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember our vision. Here's our goal. Our goal is for you guys to be the best fed, most loved church in all of Lubbock. I'm not saying that other churches don't do that. And I'm not comparing us to other churches. What I'm saying is you guys need to be the best fed. You know the word of God and the most loved. And everyone in all of Lubbock. Those two, if we can accomplish that goal together, you see, it's not just a pastoral thing. It's not just a leadership thing. It's an all of us thing. Why? Because if the pastors and, and, and the preachers up here feed you, it's your job to love others. To love. To make them feel loved. To make them feel welcome. If somebody walks in that door, if somebody walks in that door first time at Calvary, man, they should either walk out of here going, man, this is this lovely, this this. Even if they never come back, they should feel like, oh my gosh, I think every single person in that church talked to me, and they were hugging me, and they loved on me. That's what it should be. Nobody should ever come into this church, whether it's this size or 10 times this size, whatever it might be, and feel, come on church, like like they don't matter. It's our job. It's our job. If you walk in the cafe and you see somebody sitting alone, go talk to them. Find out about them. You you won't believe the stuff we have in common, but we've got to talk to somebody. How are you doing? God bless you. Yeah, how you you here? Oh, okay, good. No, find out. How are you? How are you doing? Where you come from? What's going on? Oh, you're just visiting. Cool, awesome. But make people feel welcome. That's, that's only done in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's only done in the, how the power of the Holy Spirit. I was asking the Lord what he wants for us in 2024. And one of the things I feel like, guys, is to go deeper in our teachings. To go deeper. And what I mean by deeper is really call out those things in our lives. I think the Lord wants us to pray more in 2024. We saw some great answered prayers in 2024. Did we not, Mr. Mabry? We watched prayer after prayer be answered. Asking God to do a work in this church for his glory. In this church. What's the goal? What's the goal? The goal for you and I is to reach more people in Lubbock and the surrounding areas for the gospel. That's our goal. 
I would like to see more people make decisions to follow Christ this year than the combined 20 years we've been here. I would like to see that. And I know you're looking at me like, go for it, pastor. Amen. Go get them. No, 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 no. It, it takes all of us. It takes all of us. You see, it's not enough for you and I to simply birth babies. And what I mean by that is, is people get saved here. That's one thing. Wonderful for a baby to be born. But now we've got to nurture them. Now we've got to disciple them. Now we've got to walk with them. And so when you invite your friend to come to Calvary and he's sitting with you, hey, I finally got him here. It's your job to walk alongside him when they get saved. Oh, you're saved. Okay, come on. Come on. We got to go to church on Wednesday. Got to go to church on Sunday. Okay, well, how are you reading? Let me, let's work on that. That's our goal. That's our goal. To disciple more people in service to him. Now, with that as our intro, let's see what Paul says. We're going to pick up our story in Philippians 3, verse 8. You can read along with me, picking it up in verse 8. Paul writes, yet indeed, notice, I also count all things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Your attention, please, before we move on, isn't this verse jump out? Think about the Apostle Paul. He says, I've count all things lost for the excellent. He says, it doesn't matter what I have in life. He says, I want to know. As a matter of fact, he says, I've suffered all things. I suffered all things. He says, and I count them as rubbish. Let me ask you this. What do you count as rubbish so that you would follow and gain more knowledge of Christ? What is rubbish? What is something? And this is what he's saying. That I may gain Christ. Here it is. Listen, you ready? Here's a spoiler alert. You're only here in this world for a short time. Everything in this world is a blessing to God, but in reality, to Christ in eternity, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. Your house, praise God, you have a house. Praise God. But compared to eternity, what did Jesus tell us, church? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know what that tells me? Man, God is... is, is is one soul is so valuable. One soul. And many of us are not even trading our soul for the whole world. We're, we're just trying to get by. And, and Paul says, no, 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 listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. He says, man, all the things, all the stuff. And, and if you look at Paul's resume, my goodness gracious. And he says, eh, compared to Christ, compared to Christ. Verse 9 says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So what does he say? He says this, guys. He goes, listen, the point is, is I want to be found in Christ, in Christ. That's where the righteousness comes. And now, he goes on to give us our goal for this church is found in verse 10. Paul writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I maintain to the resurrection from the dead. That's our goal. Okay, well, let's break it down. Let's talk. Let's go deep. How so? Paul says, here's our goal. You ready? Our goal for 2024 is that you and I may know him. I don't want to know a lot about him. I want to know him. You see, the Greek word is gnosko. It means by experience. And so the question is to us, church, this morning, have we truly experienced the Lord? Have we really experienced, do we know him? By experience. By experience. That's the word. It was Albert Bynes who writes that I may know him, that I may be fully acquainted with his nature. I would be fully acquainted with his character 
I would be fully acquainted with his work and with the salvation which he has worked out. It is one of the highest objects of desire in the mind of the Christian to know Christ. This is what he wants from us, to know him by experience, by experience. I don't know if you guys watched the game last night. Any Dallas fans in here? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I know Troy Aikman. I know that Troy loves a great steak. I know that Troy, you go, you don't know Troy Aikman. I know I do. I know Troy loves his steak, medium rare. I know what he likes as a side. You go, you don't know Troy Aikman. No, 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 I really don't know Troy Aikman. I know a lot about Troy Aikman. I know he's a commentator. I know he was on the field with Jimmy. I know he was a great quarterback. I don't really know him, do I? And a lot of people have that same mentality with our Jesus. They know a lot about Jesus based on other people or what they hear or what they see, but they don't know him in that intimate, wonderful, one-on-one way. And that's our goal. Our goal is to know him. And then you would have to say, how? How? How do I know him? How do I know him? By experience. How do I experience him? Well, the one thing you're going to experience him is the power of his resurrection. That's how you're going to know him. The power of his resurrection. What does that mean? Knowing Jesus means knowing the power, the new life that is imparted to us now, not when we die. You understand that. You see, we think about it, the power of the resurrection. Oh, okay, when I die, I'll, I'll know him in the power of the resurrection because I'll be in that grave and then I'll start, oh, we're going to go home. And No, 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 he, he, wants to, he, he wants you to know him now. Why? Guys, the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you now. Are you experiencing that? Tell me what your life looks like. Tell me what your walk looks like. I want my life to look like this, just a slow, progressive climb before I meet Jesus. But I'll tell you what my life often looks like. It's that roller coaster. One minute I'm like, yeah, Lord, I'm on the top. And then, oh, oh, woe is me. Oh, yeah, I'm on, the, you know, but, 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 but I want to know him because I have that power. Do you know you have that power? <laughs> the power is... I mean, one commentator put it like this. He wants to know in an experiential way the power of Christ's resurrection. That is, he wants to experience the same power that raised Christ from the dead, surging through his own being, overcoming sin in his life, and producing as Christian graces. How cool would that be, guys, is when temptation goes, hey, Adam, come here, bud. Hey, hey, Adam. And he goes, nope. The resurrection power in my life, not going to go there. And it's not an issue. It's not that fight. You know that fight when we have temptation? Hey, hello. Stop it. Come on over the, Come on over to the side. Come on, we did this before. You can ask for forgiveness. No, stop. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And then, we, and then we fall into that temptation. You see, the temptation is not a sin, but we need to have the power. Guys, in and of myself, I don't have that power. And I need the Holy Spirit to say, no, 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 no. I want to I know him. I want to know him in the power of resurrection. Now, guys, I'm preaching to myself. You guys can listen if you want to. I mean, that's really the, the gist of it. See, the resurrection is now a power of the spiritual life of Christians. It stimulates the spiritual resurrection from the dead to a sin of life, of righteousness, of righteousness. I want to know him. I want to know him. The closest feeling I got to experience of knowing Christ is 
when my wife was experiencing him as she was battling through cancer. And she would tell me that she could almost feel his breath on her. And oh, how I've longed for that. I want to know the Lord like that. I want to know his presence. I want to feel his presence. I want to know. I want people, when they go to your house, to feel the power of the Holy Spirit. That the house is a house of prayer, and it's like, wow. But he says we also get to know him in another way. You ready? In the fellowship, the koinonia of his sufferings. Sufferings. Knowing Jesus also means this fellowship of sufferings. It's all part of Jesus and being in Christ. Think about this. The early apostles believed that participating in the fellowship of Christ's suffering was part of our preparation for sharing in his future glory. To his student Timothy, Paul explained everyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Peter urged the believers not to be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange is happening to you. He says, instead, be glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have this wonderful joy and seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Oftentimes, if I'm being honest with you in church, I feel like I'm the exact opposite of what Paul writes to Timothy and what Peter says. Lord, I don't want to suffer. Lord, I don't want to, you know, don't, don't we feel like that? And, and I mean, listen, I want to live, I want to live godly. Uh, but could you leave out the persecution? I don't want to suffer. I think the church of Jesus Christ or those posing as the church of Jesus Jesus Christ did us a disservice early on in projecting that the church of Jesus Christ should be at the head and not suffer any persecution. Not suffer. And so here's how the gospel goes. You want to give your life to the Lord? He's going to have everything for you. You know, right? We, 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 we paint the positive. Listen, give your life to Jesus. And I'm telling you what, everything in your life is going to be restored. Your kids who are disobedient, your kids who are prodigals, they're going to come home because you gave your life to the Lord. And your dog who ran away last year is going to come back. And, and we start thinking, all your bill, listen, all your bills are going to be paid. They're going to be paid. You ready? You ready? Right? All your bills are going to be paid. How about that? Well, who wouldn't want that? What do I have to do? Where do I sign? No, no, no. The true gospel is, hey, listen, your life may not change. Your kids may not be obedient. But you get Jesus. You get Jesus. And isn't that enough? And he'll walk with you and comfort you and give you peace. That's the Lord Jesus right there. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'm shocked to encounter trials. Ah! Oh! But Peter tells me, he says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Now, most of us in this room, because you're Calvary guys, Calvary people, you go, okay, Ben, you've talked enough. You've talked about suffering. I get it. But, but don't, t- don't talk about the third thing. I don't want to know Jesus because he says, in order to know Jesus, being conformed to his death. Being conformed to his death. To know Jesus, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering is to enable one to die like Jesus. See, the word there, conformed, it means of similar type. So he's saying being of similar type to his death, to his death. Now, if we're being honest in church, we're all gung-ho to know the Lord. 
we're all gung-ho to walk in him. We're all gung-ho for 2024. But when we think that we might, in similar type, be conformed to Christ because of our faith, that's where maybe some of us draw the line. Well, but see, I'm thinking that God wants to go deeper with us so that we're going, man, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. If you're here today and you're saved, we've got a lot of work to see other people saved. We've got to work. I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay in our little holy bubble. All right, we're good. And what are we doing? Let's sing Kumbaya. Okay. And so we're just going to sing... I want to, I want to see, I want to see an impact. People. Do you or do you not want our church to be a hospital for those that are broken and beat and lost? We want our church to be that, don't we? I don't want it to be a museum for saints. Can you imagine? Well, hello, how is thou doing? Thou is great. God has blessed thee. How is thy hips doing? You know, I mean, we don't want to be that. I don't want to, I mean, and then we don't allow anyone who's broken or filthy or dirty and, oh, thou smelleth. That's not us, is it? That's not us. You know who we are? Man, we're, you ready? We're beggars. Telling other people where to find bread. Come on, you got to come. You got to come. What's it about? I don't know. You just got to come. Man, there's life there. How is there life in our church, guys? By the power of the Holy Spirit. It should be so strong when they open that door. It's like, the Holy Spirit's like, come on in. Come on in. I want to know Jesus, guys, and the the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection, but I also want and am ready to be conformed to his death. Paul goes on and he says, verse 12, not that I've, I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Would you agree with us that 2024 is going to be a year that we press on? We press on. We press on. Let's go. Let's go. Our first goal, we want to know him. Can I get an amen? Our second goal is found in verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself as to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. You ready for goal number two? This is where we're going to be. You go, what is that? Number one. We're going to forget those things which are behind. Number two, we're going to reach forward to those things that are ahead. Number three, we're going to press toward the goal. And number four, the prize of the upward call of Christ in, of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what I'm going to do with this, the remainder of our time, I'm going to give us, and this is what we want to do um, as a church, 2024, Okay. As a church and saints of God, you can apply this individually, but I want to share this at our church. The first thing we're going to do is to forget those things which are behind. Behind. What does that mean? In over 20 years, we have seen a lot. We have done a lot. We've tried a lot. But January, for most churches, are new beginnings. And we look back over the last 12 months and we see how they impacted us. But if we're honest, we dwell on our failures as a church more than on what God did in those months. Some failures are big, others are small. But let me tell you what failure as a church tends to produce. It tends to immobilize us. When we step out in faith and it doesn't work, we withdraw and we file under, never try this again. 
And oftentimes, failure produces fear. Fear. I don't know if you know this, but this is never more true than what happened last month in November. We tried something new. We tried, we're not, because of the weather, we didn't do a trick or treat, a trunk or treat. We decided to move it to the 20th of November. And by all of world standards, that was an epic failure. But you know what it did in my heart? It immobilized me. We're not going to do that again. We're not going to do that again. We didn't have any of the kids that we passed out flyers. We didn't have anything. And that's what it does to us. That's what it does. It produces fear. I'm not going to do this again. But a good church always is compelled to evaluate both the successes and the failures so that we can apply what we've learned. And in the world, we have to push it. Why? Because the stakes are high. Yes, we can gather and debrief. Okay, how did this go? How did this go? How did this go? But ultimately, we're working for who? Who? Come on, guys. Who are we working for ultimately? Yeah. Well, it didn't pan out the way we should. Okay. Well, what can we do different? Let's go. Let's go. What are we going to do next? I have a hard time doing that, to be honest with you. I tend to look at it, and as the leader, I back up and go, oh, I don't know if we need to do this. I don't know about you, but I tend to have the gift of procrastination. If I see a sale on something and I know that I need it, or maybe it'll go down a little bit cheaper, I'll wait until I lose it and it's no longer. Anybody with me? Just me alone? Well, and thank you, Ben. Both Bens. The rest of you. Oh, you too, Paul? All right. So, good. Oh, good. Yeah, I just didn't want to be alone. The rest of you are not. You're telling me. I... How many of you don't have that gift? You just you just go get what you need to go. I, I need to hang out with you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. All right. But I have the gift of procrastination. And so that often puts in me, ah, oh, think about this. Think about this. It was probably about three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Somebody donated, for the most part, all of the, all of the wood and stuff for the sound booth, the new sound booth. And I waited, and we waited. Well, I waited, and we waited. And now that we're here, I was like, why didn't we do this earlier? Ah! So I need you guys. I need you. Why? Because we got to let the past be the past. I don't want the past to define who we are anymore. Starting today, we're going to try things, and if we fail, then we'll learn and move forward. Move forward. We're going to try things. I'm reminded that failure is an event and it's never a person. Notice the difference between what happens when a man says to himself, I've failed three times, and what happens when he says, I'm a failure. Guys, we're going to move forward. The past is the past. The past is the past. We're going to move forward. We're going to move forward. Well, what's the second thing we need to do? Well, we've each, we need to reach forward to those things that are ahead. In order to do that, you ready? Okay, you got to jot this down. We need to take risks. We need to take risks. If we don't, then we'll never know what God wanted to do. We need to take risks. I love hanging out with Peter. Peter inspires me. Why? Because Peter is the only guy who got out of the boat. Jesus is walking on the water, and all the disciples, it's a ghost. No, it's the Lord Jesus. Yo, Jay, if that's you, bid me to come. Come on, Pete. And we all give Peter a hard time, don't we? Why? Because Peter fell flat on his face. <laughs> Lord, help. <laughs> Peter's the only one that got out of the boat. Out of all the disciples, who walked on water? Come on now, you guys. Out of all the disciples who walked on water, 
Peter did. Now, the one thing you don't know and the one thing you don't read is that they both got on the boat. How'd they get back, how'd they get back both on the boat? Well, either, either Jesus carried them or he had to walk too, but nonetheless, it wasn't a failure, was it? That's how we are. We live in such a negative world. that we. But I like hanging out with Pete because Pete's the only one who got out of the boat. I want to get out of the boat. I want to get out of the boat, guys. I want to take risks. Guys, our third core value in our church is to live radically. And one of the sub-core values is this. I want to go deeper and pioneer with our faith in God. I want to take aggressive steps, launching into deeper waters to see what God will do. Guys, you know the story. We started this church, we met in the clubhouse of an apartment building. And we kept looking, believing that God wanted to do more. Then we found the ceramic cottage. I'll never forget that. I took my wife to see it, and she's like, oh, no. And I said, baby, look at it with a little bit of elbow grease. Had 2,400 square foot, needed a lot of TLC. Yvonne, you remember that? You remember it? First time I met Yvonne, she came out to help us. We're painting. We just got this new building. There's Yvonne helping us in Manaya. And, 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 and there we were, we, little tiny church. I think we could barely fit 50 chairs. Oh, God wants to do more. And we were there for about two years. Oh, I, got, I caught wind that there was, a, there was a church building, and they wanted to sell. So I gathered the leaders, so free members. And we went over, and we prayed on every step, Lord, if you want us to have this building. And they came back with the big fat no. And that's when we found this place. That's when we found this place. It was way too big for us. I remember, I was like, Lord, we're never going to fit anybody. But we stepped out in faith. Now, here's what you need to know, and I tell this with all the mark. We had no money to build up this place. We had no money. Okay, we were a church of about 15, 20, 25 on a good day. We had no money. Until that day, somebody dropped $20,000 into the agape box. I thought that was all the money in the world. I was like, we're rich! <laughs> I could have walked on water with that. They dropped it in. And so we built this out. We built this out. And I just think God provided. I'm not sure if I had the faith. I'm not sure, but God provided. Here's the problem. You ready? We've become real comfortable here. We've become real comfortable. It's wonderful. It's nice to walk in, open the doors, go to your office, have this all set up. We don't have to box in and out, but but... But what if God wants to do more with us? What if God wants to do more? Do we have enough faith that God could do it? Can I tell you where courage comes from? Courage is when somebody comes alongside you and says, you can do it, I'm with you. I don't have it, but man, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? My friend, my friend in Sioux Falls, I preached there on occasion, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, they just purchased a $3 million building for their new church, sold their old one, purchased one, and he said, he said, there's so much work there so they could get in that most of the retired people in the church are doing the work. And it says, we're so thankful that there are people who are doing all of that stuff. They have, to, they have to build a bathroom and all this stuff. But I was just like, yeah, how cool is that? that, that now, now, here's the thing, and I want you to stop saying this, okay? I want you to stop saying your church. It's not my church. It's our church. Once you take ownership, watch what God will do. What do I want to do in our church? Well, pastor, I don't know if you want to move. We just built a nice sound booth. I don't want to limit God. And I have been. I have been. I was like, Lord, what if you want us to move? We'll just, we're all right. And, and then here, here's, the, here's the thing, guys. I go in my office and I see the little sound council that we had. And I'm thinking, you dummy. How in the world were you trying? Do, do you not? We have to. I was holding back. And we have to have those where it's like, oh, now we have a nice sound booth. We have, you know, I mean, we've got to be like that all across the board. All across the board. 
Hudson Taylor, a great man of faith, who founded the China Inland Missions, integrated faith and risk. He said, unless there's an element of risk in our exploits for God, there's no need for faith. There's no need for faith. We take aggressive steps of faith, launching into deeper water so that God can do more. The third thing we want to do, you ready? Press toward the goal. The goal of what? The goal of knowing him. How? Well, we need to walk with him more. We need to pray more with each other. See, noonday prayer is a great start. Even if you can't make it here in person, let us know you're praying. Hey, Pastor, we're praying with you. We're praying with you. Second Sunday prayer meeting. Knowing God is talking to him. This should be the highest attendance service praying as a family. It's one Sunday evening for one hour out of the month. That should be our heart. We got to pray. We need to pray. We got to pray together. Let me give you a practical way of pressing toward our goals. You ready? You can jot this down. Assume nothing and question everything. Assume nothing. Well, you go, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean, assume nothing? Well, God is moving in different ways to grow his kingdom. We need to evaluate our culture to win them to Christ. Oftentimes, when a church gets our age, we tend to question nothing. We, long, we just run along aside the status quo. In other words, we just do what every other church does in hopes we grow. But what if we had a change of mindset? What if we assume nothing? You go, well, Ben, how does it apply? You ready? There's a forbidden phrase we're taught not to use. You ready? Our people won't. In other words, some variations include our team never, my staff won't, our volunteers won't, my kids won't. Anytime we're presented with, okay, what do you think? Well, no, our church won't do that. Our staff can't do that. We, we use that, and, and what happens immediately, we just, we just shut down. I tend to do that a lot. And I'm thinking this year is to be the church that we are to assume nothing and question, what if God wants to do that? What do you think? What do you think? Let's not roll with whatever we've done in the past, but begin to question if God wants to move us forward. And again, I see you all there just listening and going, man, I hope he hurries. No, 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 no. Here's the point. The point is, guys, we want to press forward. What does that mean? Let's make peace with the past. We've had 20 years of great blessings. Thank you, Jesus. But what do you want to do now? What do you want to do now? The prophet Isaiah says it like this in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall bring forth, and, it, and shall you not know it? I will even make the road in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. Now, contextually, I understand he's talking to Isaiah, but what if God does want to do new things in our lives and in our church? I don't want to allow the past to direct our future. For you see, we really hadn't made peace with our past. Warren Wearsby writes, do not say, why were the former days better than these? Do not move ahead by constantly looking in the rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but we must not live there, end quote. It's time for us to make peace with the past and get ready for God wants to do. Once again, this works both in our personal lives and as well as our church. How many of you in your own hearts, you don't have to raise your hand, but want to go deeper with God and want to, want to see that, man, make peace with the past. That's done. And say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Let me give you the fourth one, guys, the fourth and last one, the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Under the power of the Holy Spirit, may we never compare ourselves to others. At Calvary Chapel Lubbock, we are God, we are who God made us to be. This is who we are, for his glory. We need to recognize that God has purposely made us this way, and that's who we are, for his glory. That's who we are. Come on, if we're honest, we're a, 
we're a great family of misfits and strangies and weirdos. Thank you. That's who we are, but we love each other. We're not all the same. We're not all the same, and I love it. Well, that would be weird to just be all the same, wouldn't it? I like it that we're different. We need to embrace that. But we're different. See, we have distinctives at Calvary. You go, what's our distinctive? Well, we're not like other churches. You go, what do you mean? Well, for most, for most guys, we're in an academic setting of expository Bible teaching. And expository Bible teaching means we're going to go verse by verse. We're going to pull out and we're going to see what it says, not what I want it to say. This is how we are, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Now, from time to time, just like today, we'll have a series for special occasions. We'll have a Christmas message. But for the most part, guys, we're going to be teaching God's word. God's word. Let me say this to you. You don't want nor need my opinion. You need the word of God. You need the word of God. When someone comes to you and says, hey, what about this? You say, what does God say about that? Have you talked to God about that? Let's talk to him right now. Let's, call, let's talk to Jesus. Let's talk to Jesus. You need to know what God's word says. Can I give you three reasons why we shouldn't compare ourselves to other, another church? Number one, other churches' so-called perfection is an illusion. They all have the same struggle we do. Number two, we shouldn't compare ourselves to other churches because life isn't fair. It isn't fair. Can you imagine your pastor whining? I know you can't, but just for a minute. Can you imagine your pastor whining, going, God, how come that church is big over there and they have a building and I drive up to a shopping center? You haven't moved in 20 years, God. What did I do wrong? Can you imagine? I've never liked that. I've never heard that from my mouth, but I could imagine. But life isn't fair. But you know what I've learned? Comparison, whether individually or churches, it turns friends and allies into rivals. We start looking, well, oh. Come on, come on. Let, let, let's, you ready? Let's dig a little bit deeper. I'm going to use me as the church, but I want, you to, I want you to use it individually, okay? Lord, that church, that pastor, he's not even teaching your word, and they're bigger than us, and they have more resources than us. Lord, I've listened to that pastor. He's horrible. What's the deal? And we compare, don't we? And we start to question what God is doing and it turns us into rivals instead of going, I accept, you ready? I accept what you have for me, God, and I'm excited for what you want to do. I'm not going to look at my friends, siblings, pastors. I'm not going to look at any other churches. You know what the sad part about being a pastor is, guys? Is that I can look out and I can see blue chairs, and instead of ministering to those that are here, I'm wondering why they're not filled. And somebody once said, stop, minister to the people who are in those chairs. Don't worry about the ones that are empty. Don't worry. Don't worry. Why should we not compare ourselves to other churches? You ready? Because we're here to build his kingdom. We're here. To, that should have got an amen. Yep. Somebody said, yep. No, that should have got an amen. amen. We're here to build his kingdom. That's the upward call. We're not here to build our little kingdom. We're not here so Ben Martinez walks around Lubbock like a celebrity. We're not here so Calvary Chapel could be on the map. We're here to build God's kingdom. That, my friends, is the upward prize of the call of Jesus. And one rule we need to follow, how do we build this kingdom? You ready? It's called discipleship. It's called discipleship. 
Everything we do in this church needs to be centered around discipleship. Do you realize the teaching of the Word of God is discipleship? And you drinking coffee with somebody talking about the Word of God, that's discipleship. And then we have discipleship, learning the Word of God. William Ward said this, check this out. The mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, but the great teacher inspires. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. We must, in every service, be discipling. And that's how we can attain our goals. So there you have it. Our goal is to forget those things which are behind, reach forward to those things that are ahead, press forward to the goal, that prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So as we close, let me ask you, church, for one more goal in 2024. I need your help. I... I want to be ready for growth. I want to be ready. I would like for you to be praying and and inviting and seeing what God wants to do in the future. Right now in our church, we have 130 chairs. My goal, everybody say our goal By the end of 2024, if the Lord tarries, is that we would have 200 plus adults calling Calvary Chapel their home. That's not a big goal, but we got to do it. How do we do that? We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're out there being a light. Where? In our homes, in our neighborhoods, in the church, and in our city. Well, ben, all you want is growth. All you want is people. All you want is those. No, no, no. I'm saying we can do more. We can do more with good people like you. And I feel like we have a really good product here. I feel like we've got, we've got really great people. Why wouldn't we want other people to come and be a part of this? Why wouldn't we want to reach out to our neighbors and to our family? And to our, oh, they go to other churches. Amen. Praise God. We're not here to steal sheep. But there's a lot of people in Lubbock. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of people in Lubbock. There's a lot of people in Slayton. Guys, we have people from Seminole coming. Our goal is to go out in, into the highways and byways and reach Lubbock, Texas. Let's look at 2024 as if it's our last year. How would you live differently? We got 12 months starting tomorrow. 12 months. All right, what are we going to do? And we're going to go out. We're going to just, I don't care if you're on vacation. I don't care if you're getting beat on the golf course. I don't care. We're sharing Jesus with everybody at your workplace. You need to be part of our fellowship. You need to be part of our family. Yeah, we're dysfunctional, but we're a good family. We're a great family. You know why? I can count on you guys. I can count on you. We can count on each other, can't we? That's what I want. I would like to see in 2024 our family grow. Oh, pastor wants five services. I knew it. He's just a... No, 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 no. I want to just see our family grow and just be like, wow. Wow. It's grown in 2023. Grown. Sometimes my wife will tell me, who are all those people? I hadn't seen them. I'm like, yeah, it's grown. God is good. But how much more does he want to do? I don't want to hold them back anymore. Are you guys with me? I don't want to hold them back. 
I want to see what he wants to do, but I need your help. It's not, it's not a one-guy thing. This is not Ben's church. This is God's church, and I want to see him in 2024. Oh, I want to see him do and, and more than I've ever seen before. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today and what Paul tells us. And thank you, God, that we can just continue to worship and praise you. Lord, I pray that this would not fall on deaf ears. That, Lord, that you would just um, radically change my heart. Father, I said this in prayer, and uh, I'll say it again. Father, our church needs a new pastor, a better pastor. Lord, make me that pastor. Lord, our church needs better leadership. Make those men that leadership. Lord, we want to see an impact for Lubbock. We don't want to just come in here, sit, and we want to see you do great things. We want every season, God, our goal, our first goal, Lord Jesus, is to see this church packed out for Easter. Every chair filled. Lord, our goal is to see the altar filled with people receiving Christ. That's our first goal. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would fill us with your spirit. Lord, come upon us even now. That's the only way we're going to get this done is by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray for everyone here who goes, Pastor, pray for me. I need to be filled. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I hadn't been filled, Lord. I pray today you would do that work. May your spirit fall just afresh upon us like, like we read in the book of Acts, God. Just right now, Lord, just fall afresh. Father, today we ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus, Lord. We believe that you're going to do a great work. You're going to do a great work, God. We believe, God, that our prayer meetings, God, are going to be so filled, God. So filled, Lord. We're going to be praying at this altar. We're going to be crying out to you. We're going to be doing things, Lord. This is going to be so amazing. Father, we lay down our lives for you. We're not playing church anymore. We're going to be the church. We're going to take what we've learned and we're going to use it. And so, God, we're asking with humble hearts that you would do that work. And Calvary Chapel, love it. We give you, Lord, our hearts. We give you our money. We give you our time. We give you our talent. We surrender all to you. We're excited for what you want to do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.